0: Today our scripture reading is going to be from 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. In the Pew Bibles, that's on page 1270. Um, we also encourage you to use your electronic devices. We use the YouVersion app. We're going to be reading from the NIV version. Peter 1, 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. the salvation of your souls. May God bless the reading of his word.
1: Okay, well, this is the end of a short series called Take Heart that I originally wanted to call Pain and Suffering, uh, but decided that this would be more optimistic. So we're in the third week of this, where we've been talking about, it's based on that verse that Jesus, uh, we just read the words of Jesus that said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And so, yes, troubles, trials, pain, suffering, this has been our topic, um, but it's been with with this context of even in the midst of those things that we're guaranteed to have in this life. We can take heart because we serve the king that's overcome the world. And we've been talking about then, how does a Christian deal with pain and suffering? And this issue of the troubles and trials of life, and all of us experience these in various degrees throughout our life but it's a common human experience has been since at least since the fall of man right? where we uh, were sin into the world and pain and suffering into the world along with it as scripture teaches and so we know as far back as human history can account this is something we've had to deal with pain and suffering no one's exempt from it as much as we'd like to be our, our culture, our society, seems to struggle with this in a unique way. I don't know, I theorize that maybe in other cultures and other parts of the world where life has just been harder than it has been here for the last century. Uh, maybe in those places, uh, people just accept pain and suffering as their lot in life. And they don't get so worked up or been out of shape about it. I've heard that people in other countries seldom question God over pain and suffering like we do in the Western world. Uh, So maybe it has something to do with the fact that we don't believe we should have to suffer. That we don't believe that it's something that we should have to deal with. Which I think is rooted in something right, that this isn't what God wanted. But at the same time, sometimes we carry that to a length where it's like, man, we should be able to avoid this. With the right program or with the right technology or with the right medical advances, we should be able to root out all of this stuff. and And why is it there in the first place? and why did God allow it to be there and? So we wrestle with all these questions and and so many people end up hopeless. Our, our younger generations, you know we talk about those uh, folks so often because of the the rise in depression and issues like suicide amongst those young people. But it's not just them, it's the older folks as well. And, and so this is an ongoing thing in our society where it's, it's plagued us even in and out of the church. And so one of the things that I'm hoping comes across in this series is a, is a healthier expectation and understanding. I think that sometimes in the church we have pretended that if you have enough faith that you shouldn't have to have pain and suffering. That if you're a righteous enough person, that you won't have pain and suffering in this world. That you you won't have so much trouble. And yet that seems to directly contradict what Jesus said and what his apostles taught. Uh, We serve a God, we serve a risen Savior who was crucified. Our path lies through suffering to the glory and the victory on the other side of it. And so this is something we've been talking about through this series. And we've had some statements that are perhaps uncomfortable, but true. We don't want suffering, but we do expect it. Right? It's a, we talked about that the first week, that we, we're changing our, our mindset and our expectations to not expect to avoid suffering, but expect trials and troubles to come and find us out, as they inevitably will in this world if you stick around long enough. And so as Christians if anyone was to have a healthy expectation of trouble it should be us, the ones who serve this Lord who said in this world you will have trouble. And then we didn't stop there though, we said while we don't seek suffering out, we do gain from it. We profit from suffering. That God uses the troubles and the trials that we go through to work out good things in our lives. And so even though we don't you know actively seek out hey let me just get myself into some trouble here so i can grow no we don't do that but we see those those troubles those trials that come as opportunities opportunities for us to persevere in our faith and to strengthen our faith but opportunities as well for god to work something out in our lives that need to be worked out and so uh, we come to the most radical of all this week we're going to ratchet it up yet another notch. And as we talk about it today, as we look at verses like these that say, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now that's, I mean, that's a whole other ballpark there. It's one thing to say we gain from, from sufferings. It's one thing to say we expect them to come. But to say that we consider it pure joy, that's bordering on madness. <laughs> Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Are Christians masochists? Are you familiar with that term? Masochism is when you find pleasure in pain. And there's people with mental disorders that, that find pleasure in pain. In enduring pain. If, they, if someone inflicts pain on them, they find that Pleasurable. That's weird. There's this uh, cartoon that I found, a Dilbert cartoon. that says, uh, here's my list of ten qualities that I want for all new employees. And then it says, a person with all these qualities would also need to be a masochist to work here. And he said, write that down. <laughs> so you probably worked in an environment at some point in your life where it felt like... To enjoy working there, you'd have to be a masochist, right? It's just an awful work environment. Um, those cartoons crack me up. So, are Christians masochists? Is that what this is saying? That we consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds? That we rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ? And I want to just say no <laughs> off the bat here. So, as we get into this uh, topic today, I need to clarify we're not saying that we find joy in the pain itself. We find joy in the midst of those circumstances, though. We find joy in the midst of those trials, in the midst of the problems that we experience, in the midst of, the yes, the pain and the suffering or the grief and the sadness and the loss. In all those things, we find joy. We might rejoice because of them, even. But we don't rejoice to because of the pain. Does that make sense? Like It's not the pain that's causing the rejoicing. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Whereas for a masochist, it's the pain that is enjoyable. The pain is not enjoyable for us. It's just the things that accompany the pain, perhaps. Let's explore. And to do it, I want to actually look at this very guy. Because if anyone was not a masochist, we could say it was Peter... When he started out, the last thing this fellow wanted was to suffer. When he started out, the last thing he wanted was for Jesus to suffer. It didn't make sense to him the way that Jesus would talk sometimes. And we looked at this in our first week, where we looked at this series about, um, well, it was this very passage, Mark 8, where uh, Peter actually takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him because Jesus had been saying that he would have to suffer... And die. Right? He was giving his disciples a warning. To expect the crucifixion. But they couldn't process that. It didn't fit their worldview. It didn't fit their expectations. If you were blessed of God. Certainly if you were the blessed one of God. If you were the son of God. Suffering should not enter into the picture. In their minds. See in their minds like many religious people today. If you do good then good things will happen to you. And if you do bad, then bad things will happen to you. And while there is some wisdom in that, and people who do bad often do end up having a lot of bad things happen to them, while that's often true, uh, that's not the the whole story. Because there's plenty of good people who suffer. There's plenty of really good people who suffer. And in fact, uh, Jesus believed that the prophets had already said this. And he shared that with his disciples later. That look, they told how the Messiah would have, to be, would have to suffer and be beaten and be crucified. This was always part of the plan. But it was not part of Peter's plan. And it was not part of the disciples' plan. Their plan was up, up, up. Better and better and better. A better life. Riches. Glory. Fame. Power. Not suffering. Not trouble and so Jesus rebukes Peter in front of all the disciples really a a group rebuke focused on Peter because they were all thinking the same thing apparently get behind me Satan you don't have the concerns of God but merely human concerns so this is the guy the same guy we believe wrote these words but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ how did he get there? How did he get from point A to point B? And that's what we're going to look at today. I want to tell you another story of Peter. Uh, See, all that stuff that just happened came true, right? All that stuff that Jesus said was going to happen to him came true. And in that moment, right up till the last, Peter was in denial about it. He did not believe this was going to happen, did not believe it should happen. When they came to capture Jesus... Uh, One of the Gospels records Peter drawing his sword, right? He's going to prevent the suffering. We ever try and do that? (laughs) We're just going to pull out a sword and stop the suffering before it gets to us, as if we have the power to stop it. So Peter was ready to do that. When that didn't work out, he fled. And then he followed at a safe distance. And then he snuck into a courtyard to kind of observe, but he was scared that he would end up suffering too and so he denied Jesus three times famously just as Jesus had predicted he would this same Peter met the resurrected Jesus on the shores of a sea and had breakfast and Jesus restored Peter that morning to the faith and as Jesus was restoring Peter to the faith Peter uh, he begins to tell Peter about what he might end up suffering. So he, he alludes that, Peter, you denied me three times the other day. But there's going to come a day when you're going to go through the same thing I went through. Where you're going to share in the same sufferings and the same kind of death that I bore. It's almost like, Peter, you're going to get a second chance. And then Peter, still a work in progress at this point, meeting with the resurrected Jesus, says, Lord, what about him? (laughs) Isn't it just like us to compare our trials to someone else's? To compare the troubles that we deal with with someone else's? Either to say, why do I have to deal with this? While they've got it on Easy Street over there, Living in sin or whatever, they're, you know, they're jerks. Or sometimes a healthier comparison, but still a comparison uh, wow, it could be worse for me. Look how bad they've got it. We often compare our trials to one another's trials as if we could or as if life was supposed to be fair. Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. It's a good word to all of us. In the midst of our trials, there's no sense in comparing your trials to someone else's. The kingdom is not about fairness and equal outcomes, the kingdom is not, uh, you know, the grace is not fair. Troubles and trials aren't fair. None of this stuff is fair. But God is faithful. So you worry about your race, Peter. (laughs) You do what is required of you to follow me. Let me worry about the others. Maybe that's a good word for you today. I want to fast forward a little further Jesus ascends into heaven the Holy Spirit comes on the apostles and they begin to testify to the resurrected Jesus in powerful ways and this catches the attention of the very group of leaders who had Jesus put to death because usually when they put a would-be Messiah to death that's the end of that So you can imagine how puzzled they were when they were still hearing about this Jesus guy. So these same guys who the disciples were so scared of, who Peter was so scared of that he denied Jesus three times in that courtyard, lest he be dragged in front of these same leaders. These same leaders have the apostles arrested and brought before them. And in Acts we have this recorded, that they called the apostles in and had them flogged. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin, the court, rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming The good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter had moved all the way from Jesus, let me take you aside here and tell you a thing or two about how you're not going to suffer. All the way to the point where he left his own suffering at the hands of the same people who had beaten Jesus and had just beaten him and was saying, I can rejoice. I've been counted worthy of sharing in just a piece of the sufferings of my Lord. And it's this guy then who can go and write to others. Someone who has learned to rejoice in the midst of trials can then say to someone else, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Again, it's not that the Christian doesn't experience pain, or grief, or loss, or troubles. But even in those things, even in those things, the Christian can rejoice. And that's unusual. Wouldn't you say? It's one of the things that seems to have stood out the most about the early Christians from the rest of the world. They didn't grieve as the rest of the world grieved. They didn't suffer as the rest of the world suffered. They didn't moan and throw pity parties. They didn't wail and weep and cry and make big displays of it as if all was lost yes they experienced pain more than their fair share yes they experienced loss yes they grieved but they didn't do it without joy so maybe we could say it this way we don't enjoy suffering but we do rejoice in it We don't enjoy suffering, but we do rejoice in it. There's a distinction there. No no one's asking you to be like, yes, next time something, you know, you bang your head on on a door or something, right? No one's asking you to do that. If it hurts, say, ow, you know. If it's sad, cry. But know this, that in every bit of suffering there is reason we can rejoice. Let's think this through for a minute. Now, for these believers and for much of the passages about suffering in the New Testament we need to acknowledge that it was dealing primarily with the sufferings that they were experiencing being persecuted for their faith in Christ. So that's worth acknowledging. When they talk about suffering, they're not always talking about uh, the everyday troubles of this world that is common to everyone. But oftentimes they're talking specifically about the sufferings that we experience for Christ. And we talked about on week one of this how expecting persecution is part of this and part of what our brothers and sisters around the world still deal with on a daily basis and something that we too should expect at some point as long as we're in this world this sort of thing happens now it's interesting that our normal reaction to that is to shake our heads to get frustrated How could it come to that? You know, sometimes you look around at our world and it feels like you can see the writing on the wall. There's a lot of people in our society now that don't like Christians. They don't like you. They don't like what you believe. And so sometimes you look at that and you get frustrated. How could this nation come to this? And that's understandable that a nation founded on religious freedom it would be frustrating to see people wanting to erode those freedoms and yet how is it that the ancestors of our faith rejoiced to be counted worthy to suffer even a little in the name of Jesus The Savior who suffered so much for us? Do we really want to think that we haven't been counted worthy? I'm not saying that's the case, but if you ever receive the honor of being called out for your faith or persecuted in some way for your faith, know that at least for the early believers, That was something to be proud of. Something to take as an honor. That you had the chance to share in just a little bit of what your Savior went through for you. But also through the whole of scriptures, we find that God can use not only the sufferings for our faith, But really, any kind of trial and any kind of trouble and any kind of suffering known under the sun, God can take that and use it for good. In fact, there's no one better at that than God. Taking what was meant for evil and using it to bring something good and beautiful forth. Surely, you can testify to this in your own life. If you think through your own life, your experiences or the experiences of those you've loved you can think of tragedies where God brought something good out of it anything that we experience be it small or large we can find a reason to rejoice in it say you get a cold miserable well guess what It's an opportunity for you to practice persevering in your faith while your flesh feels miserable. Because sometimes when your flesh feels miserable, you get selfish, don't you? I do. Tell me I'm not alone. (laughs) Sometimes you just want people to wait on you hand and foot. Sometimes you get grumpy and cranky. Start biting people's heads off. Well... If you can't handle a cold, <laughs> is your faith going to be strong enough to handle something harder? So, couldn't you rejoice in a cold from the standpoint that, hey, I get an opportunity here to practice being Christ like while I feel miserable? Maybe you get a diagnosis of something that you never wanted you hear words no one ever wants to hear but even in that our perseverance our holding to our faith will strengthen our faith will renew our hope will build us up in Christ because of God's grace poured out on us I believe that God gives extra grace to those in need of extra grace who love him. So even in the midst of a dark trial, a difficult circumstance, you can rest in the fact that you're receiving extra grace and rejoice that there is a God who cares and who will not let your suffering go to waste. in our times of grief and in our times of loss that weigh heavy on us, we can rejoice that we have a God who is no stranger to grief and loss, but endured it for our sake. We don't enjoy suffering but we do rejoice in it. Rejoice to be counted worthy. Rejoice in the grace that you receive. Rejoice in the good things that God is bringing forth through that trial. Rejoice when you don't see it yet. Rejoice by faith. Rejoice knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. Rejoice knowing that you have hope as so much of the world doesn't. Faith. Peter said, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's a mindset that pervades our culture, that the material is everything. There's a a mindset in our culture that our personal pleasure is God above everything. That pursuing our pleasure is the purpose of life. Watch any movie, watch any reality TV show, or a regular TV show. Watch anything, listen to anyone, and you'll hear that it's true. That's all they're worried about. It's pursuing your dreams, pursuing your pleasure, doing what feels right and good to you. So little wonder then, when the trials of this world strike these people, that their world is rocked. The God that they were living for, their own pleasure, has been destroyed. What would you do if your God died? you might lose all sense of meaning and purpose as well. We cannot live for pleasure. We have to live for something greater. For someone greater. For someone who we haven't seen him yet. But we've heard the testimony of those who did see him. We haven't touched him yet, but we've heard the testimony of those who did touch the risen Lord. And we're willing to suffer and die, and even count that joy because of what they had seen, what they had heard, and what they had experienced. We have that. And so even though we do not see him now, we believe in him. And we're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because our joy is not rooted in material things, and our joy is not rooted in our personal pleasure, and our joy is not rooted in this flesh but in something spiritual in something deeper in something permanent and eternal and so it is that yeah, even in the worst that this world can throw at us even in the worst that Satan himself can do we can rejoice we can take heart because our God has overcome the world We don't want suffering, but we do expect it. We don't actively seek suffering out. You don't have to, it seeks you out, right? But we do gain from it. And so while we don't enjoy suffering, we do rejoice in it. And the world will look at us with a puzzled expression because it won't make sense when our world is full of difficulty and pain and suffering, how we can still find joy and peace in the midst of it. Because their world is built on something else. And when that crumbles and falls, so does their world. So they'll wonder why your world holds together. Why in the midst of your grief there's peace. Why, in the midst of your pain, there's also a sprinkling of joy. Why, you always have this optimistic look that the worst that can happen can still be turned to something good. That's a mindset worth having. What will you do to gain it? what will you do to change your perspective on pain and suffering what will you do to begin to really take heart it's not going to happen just because you sat through this sermon though that might have been good practice will you memorize a verse saying it over and over again until it works into your mind and into your life Maybe there's a verse you already know like in this world you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. Maybe you already know that and so what you need to do is spend some time meditating on it. Purposefully carving out time to think about what that means for your life and letting it soak in. Or maybe you need to spend some time in prayer. Regularly talking to God about how you want a right mindset around this. That you want to be able to grow to a point in your faith where you can recognize suffering for what it is. You can recognize the opportunity to gain from it, to rejoice in it. What will you do this week that will transform the way you live your life, the way you journey through the mountains and valleys? Decide today. To do something. To take on the mindset of Christ. Who suffered. And counted it worthwhile. And counted it pure joy. To go to the cross for you. That he might reconcile us to God. This is the one we follow. Figure out a way that you can follow him that way this week. Let's pray together. God. your word is so challenging and the example set before us by those who have gone before us in the faith so inspiring sometimes seems impossible like well that was Peter and I could never do that and we forget that Peter was just as ordinary as we were that he started in the same place that we started Holy Spirit, make us brave. Give us courage, peace, and joy, we pray.
0: In the name of Jesus, amen.